Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empower Podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk with people from around the industry on how they got in and their experiences and also learn a bit about their life journey to getting to where they're at now. Um, so we have a special guest with us today uh, named Jake Travis. Uh, Jake, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Howdy. I'm so nervous. <laughs> my heart is just going. Uh, my name's Jake. I'm an environment artist over at Sony San Diego. Uh, I work on MLB <laughs> and I work on stadiums mostly. So I'm a 3D artist, so I do all the Maya and all that jazz. Uh, right on. So <laughs> first, first off, thank you, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to have uh, to join us on this podcast. Um, I've known you for several years now. I remember uh, working with you as you came in as an yep. intern yep. back around like 2018-ish. Um, yeah, it was the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know that your journey into video games uh, can provide so much value to all of the listeners out there. Um, and I just kind of wanted to go back into your uh, your story a little bit because I know that you went to Full Sail University um, mm-hmm. And I know you came in as an intern and now you've been, uh, you went, you transitioned from like intern to contractor and then from contractor to full timer. And I know that in those, in that journey, there's so many like nuggets of wisdom that you can offer. Um, and I know that like, it's such a, a great story. And I was just wondering if we can kind of take it back to however far you want to go back and how did you end oh, up boy. working into industry? <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a. How far do we want to go back? Hey, you know um, what? This this is this is your stage. We're here to help celebrate you and all of the stuff that you've done. And no matter where, how far back you go, there's going to be tons of valuable information for the listeners. So wherever wherever you want to take it. Okay. Uh. So I suppose I guess uh, um applicable experience uh kind of began end of high school. I graduated early, so I had like six months off the tail of my tail end of my senior year where I just sat home and didn't know what to do with my life. So I had a computer and I was dicking around on the computer. Ooh, can I swear? Yeah, you can do whatever okay. you want. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was messing around on the computer and uh, I was playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag and I uh, wanted to make a pirate ship like the like in the game. I wanted to make a pirate ship. I had no idea where to start with that and I found Blender. And that kind of kicked everything off. Um, and so I messed with Blender probably... All the way through my first year of college, when I went to University of South South Florida, Southern Florida, USF, uh, and I only went there for a year as an engineering major because uh, I found you know I found myself I was uh, spending more time trying to figure out Blender and how to make games than going to class. Really, so I uh, switched majors, switched schools, went over to Full Sail, and uh, the rest is pretty much history. Yeah. Okay, so like going to Full Sail. Like you're one of many guests that we've had that have gone to full sale and it sounds like they've got a pretty damn good development program there. Um, so can you take us into what you like, what about that school do you think helps really, uh, create amazing game devs? Uh, for me, it was the ability to go online. Uh, I needed a job. I needed to work, uh, just to support, you know, to pay for it. Uh, because, <laughs> My my dumb self, my USF loans were out of state, so they were already like thirty grand for one year or something stupid like that. It was obnoxious, yeah. So I really had to get going on that. So I could I could do the online program. And they send you back when I was going. It was the launch box, 
which had like a bunch of art supplies and then it had like a macbook in it and it had like all of the kind of tech it had like a i think it had the the wacom tablet in it mm-hmm. and so they send you a bunch of tech um but there was definitely the online that helped uh helped me stick through it and do it all because yeah i was working at a i was working at a school as a lunch lady and doing like before and after care so <laughs> it was it was brutal work but you can just you know i had breaks where i could just like you know, for 10, 20 minutes to do some homework before the next shift started. And, mm-hmm. you know, that helped a ton. Gotcha. And then, okay, so you went to full sale. You obviously studied your ass off. You graduated. Um, but before you even graduated, I think you had applied to the internship. I can't remember if it was while you were in school or after you had graduated. Could you kind of take us into that process and how did that all happen? Yeah, so... For the internship, I was <laughs> I was in that part of the application process where you are you have your your little student portfolio right, and you are shotgunning your resume all over the industry just trying to see what sticks, and so uh, you know it was just I it was just happened to be one of the uh, the applications that I sent out, and then I had graduated, so there was that six months where loans were coming due right. So I guess I uh, graduated and I applied for the job. Uh, I got a call from my managers. Well, not who I know now as my managers. Um, I remember talking to them a little bit and then almost falling into the pool while I was talking to them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I didn't hear anything for for a couple months, and I got kind of kind of down about it because that was like one of the first big callbacks that I, you know, one of the first big people to call me back. Mm-hmm. And then I was on <clears throat> I was on a little graduation present uh, Hawaii vacation, and it was like six a.m. when I got the call. It was six a.m. there when I got the call to say, "Hey, do you want to be an intern?" I was I was off my chain the rest oh, of the uh, the trip. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. And then like, oh my goodness, so many things to kind of unpack from there. One of the things that you mentioned is shotgunning your resume and your portfolio to Mm -hmm. all kinds of different companies. Like tell us about how many were there? How many did you get back, uh, got back to you? What was that whole application process like? Oh boy. So, (laughs) so when you're right out of school with no applicable work experience in art, so I'm an artist, you know, I didn't, have any relevant art experience there's especially in florida there's a a lot a lot of you have ringling down there you've got full sail down there you've got you know scat is just right up in georgia so you've got so much talent in one little area that the job pool down there is just it's non-existent you know it came to the point where i was like Two things became very clear. I needed relevant work experience and I needed to get out of Florida. Otherwise, I was never going to get a job. Because there was like, there was one company that did um, like uh, amusement park designs and attractions. Mm-hmm. And they were, their HR department's really good. They had one guy down there who would like tell me what was wrong with my application, what was wrong with my portfolio, that, you know, if you want to work here, do these things and, uh, you know, we'll take a look at you. And that was, that was really good. That, was, that helped a lot. Um, the second thing, there was like a, I got a call back for this architectural visualization firm down there and I kind of shot myself in the foot on that one where I went in and they showed me, uh, one of their products, you know, one of their shots of their products and they're like, what's wrong with it? 
And in the back of my brain, you know, the artist just kind of kicked in and I told them everything I thought was wrong with it. Never heard from them again. <laughs> so, so I thought, okay, um, it's, it's getting pretty clear here that the, the job market for what I do in particular is pretty, it's pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. So I took a tangentially related job as a uh, t-shirt artist. And that job, that job was my art experience for for Sony. You know, that's what I put on my internship as, or, or my resume for my internship as my art experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that place cool. was really cool. Yeah, that place was really cool. Um, it was like the subway of t-shirt shops where like people would come in and like stand over your shoulders. So that really helped like thicken some skin, you know. And I, that that is my takeaway from that spot was the thick skin, you know. Okay, and then so you had this job experience at a t-shirt shop and like one of those you mentioned building thick skin like for all of the um the artists out there that are kind of just getting their foot in the door kind of learning um how to become a professional artist what why does that thick skin why is that so important well the, if you want to be in AAA and you want to be in produ- like a production artist, like that's what you want to do, you can't be precious with your work. You can't get attached to it because it, you're not making it for you anymore, right? You're making it for an entity that's much, much larger than you and on a project that, you know, it, it's not your project. So when you go to learn to make stuff, uh, you, you've got to just be able to shrug it off if your manager's like that in chief. You know, you can't get pissy and, you know, get attached to your stuff. It's not going to do you and it doesn't serve you, you know? So you really got to learn how to let the water just kind of fall off your shoulders and keep trucking, you know, roll with the punches and do what you got to do. And that's gotcha. very, that is, that is the kind of the rule for, for AAA. They're okay. Not, they're and not, yeah. Sorry. Is that something that you, you only picked up at the t-shirt shop? Is that feedback that you got while you're in school or did you just kind of naturally gain that type of insight? Well, I'm already kind of bullheaded as it is, so <laughs> that stuff doesn't really bother me um, too much. But I was a little more precious with my art before taking that job as, a, as the, the t-shirt shop. Because what that place was, it literally had you know, a printer up front, two workstations, and they would, you, the, the sign on the door said the art was free. All right, so people already came in with wild expectations. So you learned, you worked with a lot of different people, you know, every, every type of buddy. So you kind of... You kind of just learned that, you know, if even if you really like it and it's objectively a really good piece of art, if they don't like it, they're not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So you really got to, mm-hmm. you know, because you're, yeah, you're an artist. And if you work for PlayStation, you're an artist, but you're also, you know, Sony's your customer. They're paying you for the art. So you do what they tell you. <laughs> Understood. Okay, cool. So, like, you went into your journey from being in school, getting this job experience at this t-shirt shop, and then you also mentioned getting the internship at PlayStation. Like, you mentioned it was, there were, like, two months in between the time that you, like, heard that you applied to the internship or when you had the conversation. Like, can you tell us how did you find the internship, and do you even remember that? And then were you, when you were <laughs> sending out the applications, was it just applying online, or, like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I was in a way, uh, my I have a very supportive family, and so especially Ma, she's a hype beat second to none, and she would like send me jobs, send me jobs, and I would like apply <laughs> for jobs, apply for jobs, and so I had like this huge like 
job pool and it, it was either one i applied for or one she sent me and uh it was an online application you fill it out you attach your portfolio link and uh you send it off and hope you hear something and like you know sometimes you don't but this one you know this one it did so gotcha and can you give an idea of like how many applications you sent out if you can oh, ballpark it god 40 50 plus everything from you know joe blows random animation project on the school website that he said he was gonna you know pay 20 bucks for to you know t-shirt shops to small anim you know anything anything 50 plus easy okay and then like when you obviously you applied at playstation did you know anybody there beforehand did anybody give you a uh, kind of like a, a word of recommendation or was it just one of those send it and forget it and cross your fingers and hope somebody gets back to you type of deals yeah no that's that's really interesting to me it's a it was definitely a set it and forget it uh, i didn't know anybody like you talk about the, the importance of net or networking i was out in the boonies man uh so full sales in Orlando are pretty close to Orlando. Mm -hmm. I was on the other side of the state. So I was pretty isolated from like the entire industry um, being where I was. And yeah, it's just a lot of set and forgets and hope you get a call back. Okay, cool. Probably. And then, and then um, in that process, like obviously you went through the interview process um, and I was wondering like, did you ever get any feedback on like out of the thousands and thousands of applicants that applied for this internship, what was it about your uh, about your application that stood out to to the man to the hiring managers? Yeah, so my uh, my lead told me my interior work, even though it's a baseball game, he looks for interiors because in three D, if you do like an interior space, like a room or something, that covers so much of the fundamentals. If you can pull that off and pull it off well, you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? pretty hard to i mean it's easy to mess those up but it's it's hard it's easy to learn hard to master type thing you know gotcha and like when can you give us a little more detailed insight into what was it about the interior that you did because there's so many different aspects of being a a great artist like what are some of those details and things um that you were able to put together that stood out to uh, to the managers yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, it wasn't anything special. It's just a room, right? But if it's its an example of something uh, very simply done very proficiently right, very technically right, you know? So, um, and I can't speak for my managers, right? But mm -hmm. it's, it's emphasize the ordinary to sort of exaggerate the extraordinary. So if you can do something very simple very, very well, when you do something incredible... You know what I mean? It's going to look really, really good, you know, mm -hmm. if that makes if that makes sense. <laughs> gotcha. OK. And like, is this stuff that you had been taught in your education at Full Sail or is it something that you, you like you picked up naturally on your own? Uh, the philosophy of it, I kind of picked up on my own, but Full Sail had these. So every class when you do an online is a month long. So any 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 subject you're learning, you you do it in a month. And they had four or five uh, portfolio classes, where like that's what you would do all month is like work on a scene, you know. And so you had like four of those, and then you had whatever side project you were working on to kind of beef up your portfolio, right? And so that that's kind of how that went. Um, you just and then they would have like instructors that would like grade your work and you know, your portfolio and give you feedback and stuff and. They covered a lot of the basics. Um, 
I remember getting kind of frustrated with them because they would send me like YouTube links. And I thought, I, I, looking back, like I got mad at them because I'm like, I'm paying for this education. Why are you sending me YouTube links? <laughs> and it came back and, it, and I look back and I'm like, you just don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And if somebody came to me and asked me something, I would 100% send them a YouTube link to, hey, this is where this information is. <laughs> Learn it. You know what I mean? Because you really, you don't know what you don't know is the name of the game. <laughs> like, oh, that's a bear. Yeah. Gotcha. And and like you mentioned, okay, going back to the the application process and then getting the spot in the on the internship. I know that was absolutely huge. Do you remember what the actual interview process was like? Like did you have to show them a portfolio? What were the types of questions that were asked of you? Do you remember any of that stuff? Uh I remember my interview process was one phone call long. <laughs> yeah. It was one phone call. Uh, they asked me, uh, I guess, I'm trying to remember. They asked me some stuff about some of the stuff they were working on um, and some software they wanted to see if I was familiar with. But outside of that, they were like, hey, it's a baseball game. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, they just really wanted to make sure that, hey, these, this is a software we're using. Are you familiar with it? Are you proficient with it? Gotcha. And then, and, and then, like, the software, the technical skills, um, obviously, they, they talked about a baseball game. Like, did you have any experience with baseball at all? Or, like, are you a passionate <laughs> baseball fan or anything like that? What was that situation like for you? Go sports ball. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't really a sports guy. I'm still not really a sports guy. Um, but probably, I mean, I'm, I'm more into baseball now than I was, right? But... Going into it, zero baseball experience. No, I knew nothing. <laughs> I was an artist. You know, I was a very good artist. Um, gotcha. And you can I kind think, of apply that. I think that's such an important kind of um, piece of insight for the listeners is that sometimes people think that you have to be super passionate about the game that you're working on in order to be successful in the industry. And that's not necessarily true. Like for 100%. You, it's, it sounds like your passion is for the art and and something about that, just like that internal drive to just be an artist and then finding your place in who, what's a company that can use your skill set. Um, mm -hmm. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think the most successful artists, uh, just from the people around me, are the people who are very interested in the the standard of foundational skills and the, the, the technical side of it, right? Because even if you're really, really into baseball and you're kind of an eh artist, that's not necessarily going to translate unless, you know, if you're a really, really good artist and kind of eh on baseball, right? Mm. You know, the people who are really invested in learning the skills and learning the tech and learning the, the software and stuff and those applicable skills are going to be infinitely better mm -hmm. than somebody who's like a giant Overwatch fan, goes to full sale, you know, kind of learns a thing, but it's like, you know, super into Overwatch and that's all they play and that's all they do. And then yeah. when they apply to Blizzard and then the Blizzard says not. Because I think I applied to Blizzard like six times and got rejected every <laughs> single one of them. But uh, yeah, so learn your trade. Learn your craft. That's what you are. You're here to be a craftsman, you know. That's, that's what that is. And I think that's where you're going to derive most of your success is by understanding the trade. And, and can you go into like 
what are some of the the disciplines that you've learned, the techniques that um, that you put into play when it comes to being a professional? Because you know that there's a difference between kind of being a hobbyist and like kind of doing things for fun and mm-hmm. on your free time versus being a professional where it's like your livelihood. You do it day in and day out. What are some of the nuances that make you successful as a professional? The technical skills, Mr. Steve. Um, so like especially for if you're trying to make the jump from hobbyist to professional, you need to show that your understanding of the trade goes beyond the sort of base artistic understanding of it, right? Because there's you can make a high-poly, beautiful sculpture, right? But if you can't reduce it and then drop in normal maps and, you know, get it to work within an engine, it's no use, mm. right? And if your portfolio is beautiful, you have these all these rendered shots and all of these environments and characters, and it can be gorgeous. But if you don't put any of the technical stuff up there that shows you know what you're doing on the back end, then nobody knows, hey, uh, what's going on here? You know what I mean? And that was one of the, the critiques I got from the place down in uh, Tampa. Uh, they were like, hey, we don't see any of your UVs. We don't see you know any of the tech. Like, we get that you have a base understanding of it, right? We know that you know how to texture. We know that you know how to, you know, put polygons on the screen. But it's a lot of the more n- nuanced sort of uh, technical skills that really push you to the next level, so- right? That really makes you the jump. So what's the best way to kind of show that off? Like you were in, you you applied at like Sony, you applied to all these different companies. Did you work on games with Full Sail or like how do you prove um, that you that you have the ability to get that working in the game engine? So it's it's really just um, showing the back end. Uh, so when you take your screenshots, you show you know show your wireframe screenshots okay. you know show that it's uh yeah it's just it's just showing the back end the the work in progress stuff the mm-hmm. the hey this technique is really really cool let me show you how i did it type thing you know um sorry was there a part two to that question oh <laughs> uh, no i mean that was pretty much it i i'm just kind of curious i mean i know with certain disciplines it's kind of hard to show off hey i can do yeah. game stuff without programming the game yourself you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Oh, and that's another thing. Yeah, learn to co- learn some programming. That's going to be because I'm I'm taking a whole Python course right now. Oh, really? Because yeah, because there you reach a certain ceiling of what you can do without code, mm-hmm. and then the minute you can learn code, your your sort of limits expand exponentially, right? Because then you're talking to the computer, and then you can make the computer do whatever you want, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> so can you can you go into like why Python in particular? Um, yeah, so I was uh, checking out on GitHub. There's this, um, I can send the link. There's basically a two-year free CS program up on GitHub. Uh, and they've compiled a bunch of information, and it's laid out like a course. And so the first send course this. is Python. Yeah, Python for everybody. And it's 10 weeks, and you spend 10 hours a week, and it's 10 weeks, and you learn Python, yeah. But I'll send that over to you. Dude, that's awesome. And like... I know that you have come to that insight. Is that something that, like, did your did your managers tell you to do that? Or is that some, like a conclusion that you're like, oh, shit, interacting with all of the people that are implementing this art, um, yeah, it would be helpful if I knew these skills. Like, how was that, how did you come to that conclusion that you needed to boost up these skills in particular? That's actually a fairly recent revelation. We, uh, we got a technical artist named Mark. 
uh, and he sits right behind me, and that's what he does. Is he codes and he does stuff with uh, the graphics lead and um, the programming, and I just see this kind of stuff he can do, and he can relay back and forth with these leads really easily in the vocabulary between them, and it, mm-hmm. I just see how efficient it is and how like next level it is, and I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna get you know if I'm gonna get there, you know that's the next thing I need to do is to kind of, you know broaden up the technical skills. Right on. That's awesome. And like, I know one of those things that you mentioned is you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. <laughs> um, like, how has how has your experience working in the industry um, opened your eyes to like, if you had to talk to Jake, uh, in <laughs> who's in college like three years ago, right? What would you tell Jake of that time to prepare for where you are now? Oh, geez. Um, stop using Blender, A, unless you're in an, a very small studio or a studio that was built on Blender. Most of the industry uses Maya or Max. Okay. Get into Maya and Max. Um, like, So one of the things I remember from Blender was like, there's a process called UV unwrapping, which is how you take uh, the geometry and you put textures on it. You tell the program. It's like, a, you know, those little chocolate Santas and you unwrap the, the foil off the chocolate Santa. It's the same idea. You, you take it, you unwrap it, and you put the textures on it. When I was in Blender, um, I tried everything to avoid this process because I was just terrified. It just looked big and scary. And I'm like, <laughs> UVs? I don't want No. <laughs> um. And that's, that's kind of my base reaction for a lot of things, and I really got to stop doing that. Uh, but, yeah, you you just really got to learn the workflow. Like, if you went onto YouTube and looked up, like, 3D workflow or, like, how to use and how to make a 3D workflow or something like that, that you just got to learn it, man. You got to learn the – you got to get in. You got to get your hands dirty. You got you to gotta do the stuff you don't want to do. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, Man, and – just being able to provide that insight to a younger version of yourself. That's why this podcast can be so valuable because there are people that are like where you were three years ago. <laughs> um, and then like part of this is like getting into what's the mentality of a professional. Like we kind of dug deep in, uh, dug into this a little bit. Um, having thick skin, like if there's a top like three skills top three a top three list of things that you would recommend for somebody that's looking into the industry what would that be for you oh uh learn how to balance your uh personal life that's very important because the industry is going to run you ragged it's gonna it's gonna (laughs) there's, there's trains to keep on time there's people to make happy learn how to personal you know balance your personal life uh eat well exercise do all of this stuff because in the end, it's going to benefit you greater than probably anything else. Um, the second thing for just uh, you know professional mindset is we got trains to keep going. Whatever you need to do to keep those trains on time, you do it. You know what I mean? It's no longer oh it's getting late. You know I'm kind of tired. This project, you know you could no. If it needs to get done, you need to get it in your head that you got to get it done. <laughs> um, and then the last thing, the last thing is the thick skin. You just got to let it roll off your shoulders. You know these. You're here to serve a purpose. They're not here to coddle you. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if you're on a good team, they're going to help you develop. And my team has done that with me. Like, I was rough coming in as an intern. My team, I have the best mentors. Keo and Chris, oh, those guys have my back. 
And I've developed so much as an artist from being in this position and like having these people. But it's also, hey, you've got to learn, but we also got to get this stuff in and it needs to be good and you can't be precious about your work. <laughs> Let's go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I absolutely love that. And the the fact that you've called out several like mentors and people that have helped you out. Um, can you tell us about like your relationship with, you know, professionals in the industry and how, what, what does that like mentor mentee relationship look like? Like, what is it about them that makes you want to keep going to them? And why do you think they want to keep working with you? Uh, I mean, Chris and Kilo are both really chill guys. Uh, so, and it, it's kind of weird because I mean, I'm really, really buddy, buddy. And it doesn't really feel like a mentor-mentee relationship. You know what I mean? It just feels like, hey, these are my friends on the team I can go to talk to if I have some trouble with something. You know, that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they're my mentors, you know, even though they are, you know, even though that's, you know, that's where I hold them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like I'm just going to my friend to ask them a question, you know. Gotcha. And, like, another thing that we like to emphasize is the importance of the the soft skills and not just the technical skills. Um, you've obviously been a professional in the industry for a while now, and you've seen how, you know, just being able to interact with others, um, why that's so important, right? Can you go into your experience with that? I mean, it's a lot easier to catch flies with uh, honey than vinegar, right? (laughs) Having a good personality, just, just being happy and friendly and you know, you're here, you're here to do a job. You're here to be helpful. You're here to do something. So if you can carry that kind of energy with you, that kind of mentality, like yeah. be helpful, be good, be positive, you know, those, those kind of things really, really help in the industry. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure if you've noticed how like small the industry can be, um, oh, but yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you've noticed like people have reputations that they carry around with them. You've, you've, you've come across people that have worked all across the industry from probably like Xbox, um, Nintendo, uh, Square Enix. And like, can you talk about how small the industry is and like the people that you've been able to interact with because you, and you've just been in the industry for three, three plus years. Like what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's uh we actually we actually had a, an example of this recently. Um, one of the interns that came into our studio, he did his internship, did his contract, did his first year on contract, and then went to move to uh, Valkyrie, which is uh, a support studio. But um, it, it's kind of weird because now there's somebody that I know that's out there on another project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a weird feeling. But then like, you know, you talk to like Chris. Chris is a good one because when I started in as an intern. He was the first person I think I've ever been starstruck by because he worked on one of the games. Uh, he worked on a game called MX versus ATV that me and a buddy played when I was a beastie, when I was a wee beastie. We played that game like religiously. Like I would go to his house, play it. And so I came in the, I came in the internship first day and I was asking everybody their kind of history. And Chris goes, oh, MX versus ATV. My jaw hit the floor, dog. <laughs> and it's crazy. Like these people have like such history to them, you know, you know, the leads, the everybody, the seniors, they have such, so much history to them. It's fun to listen to them. Like talk. Like I heard, I was talking to a buddy and he was talking about like the old voodoo graphic cards, <laughs> like from way back in the day. And that was just so much fun to listen to. And, I, and like you, sorry, sorry, I derailed the question. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. 
Oh, that was that was the end of the, the what I got there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and, and then, like, one of the things that you mentioned is that you were talking to somebody and you kind of got starstruck because you yes. realized that he worked on a game that you had enjoyed so much as a kid. But I'm sure there's a point where you were like, oh, shit, this this is a human being, right? This yeah, is just a dude. Cool guy. That's Tell- the weirdest. That's the weirdest thing. Like when you go to lunch with these guys and you're just like, oh. Yeah. They have families. Yeah. They have people. You know what I mean? Like, Chris will sit and have a conversation with me, and I'm like, he is talking to me. <laughs> Just like another person. And I'm like, oh. And I still, I still, to this day, like, I'm four years into this into this uh, MLB thing. I still walk around some of these guys like, ooh. Like, you know, Dory May playing in the background, right? <laughs> but Dude, that, and that's one of the things that I love is that, one realizing that there's so many like amazing people that we're around that have created these games that we've grown up and love and then but part of this is seeing that that they're human beings and and not that it's like bringing them down but just kind of giving me the insight that hey I can do some pretty cool stuff too because I'm I'm a human being I live I breathe I eat mm-hmm. just like this other person and it's just something about okay what is it about them that I can learn from because it's not like they're superhumans. They're not like, um, they're not, they don't have superpowers, right? right? They're not these big heroes that sometimes we can make them out to be in our own heads. So it gives us like the confidence that we can do it ourselves. So like, can you give us some more examples of how like those, those aha moments that you've had with regards to your, your journey in the industry? Yeah. So I'm a really firm believer that Anybody can do anything if you bang your head against the wall long enough. Yes. Like there is like there's nothing you can't do if you if you honest to God just try. And I, I think I, I don't want to say it like this. I kind of exemplify this. Uh, so in high school, I, I wasn't an artist until end of high school, beginning of college. Um, all through high school, I was on an engineering track, uh, math. I hate math, but I was good at it. And uh uh, yeah, first year of university was engineering major. And then I switched. I remember having that conversation with my parents. That was a rough one. <laughs> hey, uh, let, me, let me go to video game school, guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember specifically the first ZBrush class that you take at Full Sail, at least back then, mm-hmm. was your first character creation class. So you're learning not only you're trying to figure out how to make characters, but you're also figuring out this really obtuse piece of technology at the same time. Mm. And I spent, God, okay, so I would I would wake up at 5, go to work at 6. First shift would be over. This was when I was at the school. First shift would be over around 9. And then I would have about an hour before I had to prep for lunch. So I would bust out the laptop and do the ZBrush for an hour between on my break. And then pre- do lunch service. And then I would have about 30 minutes between lunch and aftercare so i would pop it back open and do that and then i would go home and work till about 11 um trying to figure and this is all just one class and then weekends were like 14 hours trying to figure out it was brutal dude but it was literally one of those where you had no other choice if you were going to figure it out i mean bang your head against the wall son because yep. <laughs> there's there's nothing else like you got to learn it you know no one's going to learn it for you and that's a hard lesson to take into adulthood no one's gonna learn it for you (laughs) isn't that the truth and Mm -hmm. and like some like something that a lot of people um don't understand is that when it comes to being a a professional 
Like there are so many different like challenges that you have to overcome that are not part of the, you know, it, it isn't readily known, right? Like people will see the, the finished product. Oh, you're working in video games now. And then, but they don't see all of the challenges that you've had to overcome, all of the difficulties, all of the, you know, the ups and the downs. Yeah. Um, like what are the things that help motivate you in those moments? Um, because I'm sure that there are some challenges that you came across. Like, what are some of the things that stuck out that stick out in your mind? Oh, geez. Um, sorry, could you repeat a little bit of that? I got lost in the question. <laughs> it, it's like, um, what what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome, and then how did you do it? Like, because in these moments, like you mentioned, being an adult, you don't always have somebody to walk you through oh, step dude. by step how to get through it. So, what's it been for you? That's the biggest challenge, I'm, I'm going to say it, the biggest challenge for me is to show up for myself every day. <laughs> there are some days, there are some days you just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Get out of bed, do anything. But you really got to, especially the older you get, uh, maybe this is just because, you know, I, I, you really got to, it's a battle, man. <laughs> it's a struggle. Games. I thought the games were yeah. always fun. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> 90, 90% of my uh, problems I solve with coffee. Uh, you know, just drink the coffee and uh, do you ever read people, about that? Yeah. Um, just just drink the coffee and do the work, man. Um, and, and that's a lot of it too. Like a lot of a lot of the downs are just the sheer amount of workload between school and work, and it's there. There's just something that you gotta have, you know, in your gut. My my folks call it a gut check, where you just gotta put your head down and do the work. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That can be hard sometimes. You just, just stay focused, like. And in and in that focus, there are a lot of like. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. Like part part of the problem is like when people want to get into video games, they think it's oh, I'm just gonna play games all day, and people are gonna pay me for that. Um, but there's a time where you had to sacrifice some things in your life that whether it's like partying, whether it it might be playing games and actually working on them. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Uh, like what are some of those sacrifices that you've had to consciously make where it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to not spend time doing this, even though I love it because I'm going to use that to focus on my profession. Yeah. So, um, I have to make a conscious choice to have a bedtime every night so yeah. I can wake up on time. Uh, that's a sacrifice you need to make. Cause I will sit here at my computer till two, three in the morning and work yep. on stuff. Uh, that comes back to balance your life. You know, that, that's something my ma tries to, I have a hard time doing it, but ma tries to drill that in my head. Mm-hmm. Balance your shit. Um, you take care of yourself. Uh, but other than that, like when I was in school, I stopped playing video games outside of like League of Legends every every once in a while with my sister and my dad. Mm-hmm. Like even now, I play a lot less video games because I'm working on other stuff. You know, what I mean, and I think I think that becomes a sort of natural transition if you're if you get far enough and you work on stuff long enough, you kind of find that you derive your enjoyment in a different way than you think you would. So like when you enter the industry, you kind of derive your enjoyment from like playing the games. And like, if you're like me, I go into YouTube and I learn all the lore about the games and I, you know, do all this stuff. But as you, as you learn how to make the models and, you know, do the sculpts and build the game, that's kind of where you derive your, your entertainment from games, you know, mm-hmm. at least for me, at least for me, that's, that's infinitely more enjoyable than playing somebody else's products is building, building something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Go ahead, Byron. Uh, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, that's something that I've I found myself 
doing more and more frequently. I have conversations with friends who are like, dude, how do you have time for these projects? And I'm like, you got to remember, dude, I don't play games a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just I'm not just saying that to say that. Like, you can see the hours I've put in like, on certain games is it's pretty low. But yeah, as a trade off, I have produced a lot more work like, you know, other yeah. stuff. So it's 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 just, it's just really it's a really interesting kind of thing that like a tipping point, I guess, once you get into the industry. And like I know that you that you are a professional environment artist, and I know one of the things that you've experienced is when you're working in the industry, you get insights into so many other different aspects of creating a game. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those aha moments that you've had um, regarding uh, professions that are outside of your personal expertise, like whether it's sound or producing or QA, what are some of those other things that you've learned about uh, game development? Uh, you never have the visibility you think you do. Um, so that's, you were talking about like production and sound. I'm going to go into management and sort of studio direction. Um, no matter where you are and how high you think you up are up and like how, how much you see, you never see as much as you as you think you do. Because there's so much going on around you that doesn't involve you. Mm-hmm. And it could be frustrating as an artist when you're in a cube for God knows how long just cranking out arts, but, you know, art assets. And, you know, something comes down from on high that you don't understand, you know. And that's that's been a really interesting challenge for me because I know I get a kind of a short fuse with that stuff. But it's really patience, patience, patience. <laughs> but um from the like i learned a lot about like the production side of things so i took some agile trainings and like i'm friends with lauren cool. who's like you know king of king of producers you know <laughs> um so he he has a lot of really interesting insights too just uh just on how how things happen in the studio like one of the things i learned uh, about agile that really opened my eyes to how things work uh, higher up in the studios is one of the key bullet points is um uh, wait as long as responsibly possible to make your decision because the longer you wait, the more information you have, the better your final decision is going to be. And the, the, the key word of there is responsibly, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's where things get a little, you know, people get frustrated and antsy, but it really helped, you know, understand why things happen the way they happen, you know? Gotcha. And then like going back to, aha moments in the industry what are things like i'm sure you had an idea of what you think it's like to work in a video game company what were some of the oh shit i didn't expect that to happen like after you actually got in uh i mean i'm trying to think like there's a a very the the technical side of it right you all comes back to the technical side you're so much more ingrained in the in the tech side of it than you think you will be. So even <laughs> if you're like an environment artist, right, and you think, hey, my day is going to be go into the office, make some pretty art, go home, you know, so, submit it and go home. You quickly realize that, hey, it's go to the office, make some pretty art, put it in the engine, do the light maps. And then when you go to look at it on the dev kit, and it's broken, and you gotta figure out why it's broken, yep. and then you gotta yep. go into the back end tech mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The the sheer technical aspect of it, I was not prepared <laughs> for, and in many ways, I'm still not prepared for. That's why I'm taking like the Python classes, right? Mm-hmm. So I can like better equip myself to deal with this shit. <laughs> Dude, I absolutely love that, and like so many, there, there's that 
kind of idea that everybody has of what it's like to work in video games, but when you actually get into it, it can be something uh, completely different from what you expected. So thank you so much for giving us insight into that. Um, part of this is like, okay, now that you are uh, a professional, what are some of the things that you love the most about working in video games now? Oh, uh, I don't know, man, the snacks. They got snacks up in that state. <laughs> snacks you know, good. you know, you were there. Mm-hmm. You were there. Uh, the kombucha, hell yeah. Uh, no, I like, I really like uh, just going in. I like seeing everybody, damn it. <laughs> it's been a while after the COVID and stuff, but mm-hmm. people are starting to come back. And I really enjoy just talking to everybody because everybody's got like such a, like a different view on things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I like talking to Andrew in the office because he's got a really kind of technical mind on things. And I really like talking to Kojo. Because he views things on like such a like a, a different way than I do when I talk to him about games, he comes at me like sideways. Coach, and I'm like, make you think. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> I love talking to him. I don't get to very often, but every now and again, I see him, and I'm like, hey. Man, that's so cool. Just the the community of it, the people, you know, and, and playing with the toys, man. Obviously, the nice rigs, the mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Playing with the the nice hardware that I I, I wouldn't normally afford, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty fun too. So, and like I know that you you mentioned the community aspect of working at PlayStation, and one of the things that I loved about that is I felt that the people around me genuinely cared about me, and that's something that I got at PlayStation that I hadn't had at any other job previously. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you had the same experience or like, what does, how does the community at PlayStation differ from maybe employment that you've had elsewhere? Well, when you go for a job like PlayStation, you're there because you want to be there. And then you've made some great strides to get there, right? A lot of jobs, if you're in a job, that's just a job that need, you know, you're there for money. There's nothing holding you there. There's no reason to be like bright and peppy when you go into work. If you're just there for a paycheck, if you don't like it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you get to PlayStation, you're there because you want to be there. You're there because you've made life choices that said, hey, I'm going to learn these skills so I can be helpful to this team, um, so I can do this particular thing. And when you have that kind of mentality going into work every day, like, hey, I'm here to you know show up, perform, and be a part of this team, that's an entirely different mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, it's it's so it's so weird that that's not something that's taught in school, at least not that I ever heard of in my education. Nah, you know, mindset, the importance... they really need, yeah, sorry, sorry, go, go, go. No, it's all good. It, like, just the, the mindset, like, the pa- like being passionate about what you do, like, and having that drive. And I, I was wondering if that, is that something that's just unique to my personal education? Or do you see anything different, uh, any difference in yours? Like, what was that like for you, you and your educational process? Well, there was definitely no, like, mindset training, right? And I feel like that's a lot of, like, that's a big educational hole, right? It's just, like, mental preparedness and, like, you know, just just that that sort of positive thinking. Like, they teach you when you're coming up in high school, and I remember this because you have the bell. It's basically a factory bell that yep. tells you when your shift ends. You know what I mean? And they teach you. They like, give it to the U.S. education system. They teach you how to put your head down, do your work for your amount of time, then yep. go home, you know? But, yeah, at no point do they be like, hey, if you're super passionate about something, you should probably – no, 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 no. <laughs> the whole time was, like, grow up, get a job that's going to pay good, and, you know, do your, do your thing. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. And you mentioned like mindset that that can be such a like a nebulous term. Like, what does that mean to you? Oh, geez. So when I started looking at mindset stuff, it was actually when you showed me the book, uh, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was either Atomic Habits or highly, uh, Habits of a Highly Effective Artist or something like that. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, maybe? Yes, yes, <laughs> that one. Yeah. That one. I've never heard that one before. Um, so it's it's weird because you can go, and I went a long part of my life without really giving too much credence to what's going on up in my head, you know what I mean? But when you start kind of purposefully changing the way you think, you know what I mean? To better, to better suit a workflow or something. It's, it's a really interesting thing. So I have this necklace that I put on. I bought a necklace and it's my go, it's my go mode necklace. I have triggered, you do triggers. So I, when I put that necklace on, you know, I do it first thing in the morning. That's my, all right, put the coffee on, get out the door, go to work, you know, productive time, you know, and I take it off at the end of the day and it's like, oh, relax. But I, those are two states of minds that I like actively trigger, you know what I mean? Go mode, relax mode, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, infinitely helpful you know what i mean and then some days i leave the house without the necklace and I'm, my day's all all whacked <laughs> <laughs> like i'm yeah. so uh, i'm so curious about like that specific thing is like how did you learn like a necklace for you because i'm sure everybody else has their own unique oh that's triggers. a whole like, ass story yeah <laughs> go for like if if you wouldn't mind providing some insight like these are oh, some yeah. of the little nuances that i think so many people could benefit from because that type of thing isn't something that they teach in school, at least not, yeah. not to my knowledge. Yeah. So in, in my family, we have this thing called the bag of rocks. If you are gifted a bag of rocks, you are protected. You are blessed. You are, you know, my grandmother on my mom's side gave my dad a paratrooper, a bag of rocks. He jumped out of planes for 20 years. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. My sister, when I moved to California, gave me a bag of rocks. You know, you're protected. You're blessed. You're good. In that bag of rocks, there's a bunch of different rocks. Uh, the ones that stood up to me were Onyx and Tiger's Eye. Uh, my sister had a little little pamphlet paper that told me which each one was supposed to be, you know, a little white girl magic, whatever. But, <laughs> but the, so I, I found the ones that I really, really liked, and uh, I bought a necklace that had them on there, and, you know, uh, so I wear that every day. I have the bag of rocks in my backpack that I take with me <laughs> every day. So it's just, it's just something that, like, for my family, like a family thing that I, I took, and I'm like, okay, what can I, you know, this thing that I can use to, you know, make myself better. That that sounds so much like a, like something that professional athletes do. Like, I'm sure we've seen, uh, like, movies where each, like, professional athlete will have their own specific routine in order to kind of get them in in the mode to, to perform. Mm-hmm. Like, certain boxers, you'll see that they do a little prayer um, or certain like a certain sequence of exercises. Uh, if you've seen Michael Phelps, you know before he went into a swimming competition at, in the Olympics, there's like a certain routine that he does mechanically every time that kind of puts him in the mood. Is yep. that is is that the same thing for you? It's triggering. It is it is purposefully triggering a, a certain mindset, a certain way of thinking that's going to help benefit what you're about to do. You know what I mean? That is that's exactly it. All it is is a trigger that tells you, hey, it's go time. You know what I mean? That's all it is. And it, it makes a world of difference. If you can actively, actively, um, you know, channel certain mindsets, you know, certain grind, <laughs> grind sets. Then, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Then you are infinitely, then you are infinitely better 
than somebody who can't. So like, uh, there's this thing called flow state in yeah, artists, yep. or in, in you know just general. Um, and I think I my lead told me that somebody who can access flow state for three hours will get more work done than somebody who can't access flow state and tries to work for eight. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. And that was that when he said that, it became very, very important to me to, you know, figure out how to be able to trigger that, you know, when I needed it. And thus the necklace was born. Dude, that and is awesome. <laughs> really quick. Can can you go back into you mentioned flow state. So for mm-hmm. those listeners that don't know what flow state is, can you kind of explain that? Yeah. So flow state is uh, there's an there's actual like scientific terms for it. But it's just when you get like really, really engrossed in what you're doing and you become far, far more productive by virtue of being engrossed in what you're doing. Right. So what I, what you're working on is is so important. Like To me, it's it just becomes like if I'm building something, I'm just building something. That's all that's on my mind. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's all I'm focused on. The world just kind of like beyond the screens, you know, it just falls behind, you know, yeah. kind of needs itself. Um, and then you come out of it and you get a little pounding headache in the back of your head for about 15 minutes and then... Uh, Yep. <laughs> so, but that's so the best way I can describe that. Sorry. So is it it kind of seems like when you're playing a game and you're engrossed in it so much that time just flies. Yes. And then you open your eyes and next thing you know it's like six in the morning and oh shit, I've been, you know, fifteen hours into this game. Um is is it similar to that? Yeah, so imagine you're going into a team fight mid and league, and uh, you know it's uh, all the towers are down. It's a straight shot to the nexus. You know you are engrossed. You and your team are like <laughs> in it, right? There's nothing that could have your house could catch on fire, and you're still gonna try and you know topple topple the nexus, get the dub, right? Um, it kind of feels like that, yeah. Awesome, absolutely love it. Um, and then like, I, I kind of want to touch based on that thing that you talked about bag of rocks um like that seems like such a cool kind of like trigger for for you and your family and it's something that you guys have built into your family culture like can you go back into like what's the origin of that story and how did that come about yeah so the uh well the first i heard about it was my grandmother giving my dad the the bag of rocks that's that's where it originated for me mm-hmm. um and yeah, he was a paratrooper, jump master, you know, soldier. Got deployed all the time, but he's man's fine, clean, right? He got out. He's got his pension, you know. He is he's protected. Um, and then I didn't even realize I got bagged or rocked um, until like months later. Like my sister sent it to me for my birthday, <laughs> and uh, she sent one to me for my birthday. And then I can't. I didn't, I didn't realize until a couple months later. I'm like, hey, did you bag or rocks me? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> And did she like? Did she select a certain rocks to to put in there for you, or did she just like grab a handful from I don't know from a canyon and throw them into a bag, or was it like specifically designed? Yeah, it was like onyx and tiger's eye, and there's there's a bunch of them. And there's like mag magnesiite, and I, I don't know all the ones that are in there, but they they all have, they all do something, right? Like it came with a she sent like a little printed paper that told me what they all did, but. I haven't committed them to memory, but they're all, they're all special rocks. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Like mindset, discipline, passion for what you do. Um, yeah, these are all very important elements of being a professional industry, uh, a professional in the industry, in the video game industry. 
And uh, I just want to say, like, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us because, like, this is stuff that without this, we would have never known these amazing things about Mr. Jacob Travis. Um, <laughs> Mr. Byron, um, anything else? Uh, no, man. I'm just kind of – I've been sitting back kind of just enjoying listening to your story because I've known you for a few years, but I don't think I've ever really – Yeah, we've chatted back and forth, but, yeah, I don't think we've ever – yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that, was, that was really nice. But, um, yeah, man, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. Um, this was a great episode. Um, again, I love art. I'm not a professional artist, but anytime I can pick someone's brain about this stuff is, is a good time for me. And I'm sure for our, our audience as well. Um, and so as we near the end of the episode, are there like any li- last uh, parting words of advice you'd like to give to um, our audience? Like specifically, yeah, let's I'd like say, to... yeah, the internship and yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, I just like to take it back to the beginning. Like, don't let your uh, don't let your work kind of overtake you. Like, balance your life. You know what I mean. Try your very best to sleep. Try your very best to exercise. You know, meditate. Damn it, <laughs> let your brain be still for a little bit. You know, because we live in a you know we live in a, in a world where it's go 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 a hundred percent of the time. Sit and and just be still. Balance. Yes. Take care of yourself. Because, you know, that career is going to be all fine and good until, you know, you're not taking care of yourself and you keel over. And mm-hmm. now your career's over here. So. Dude, that's that's awesome. That's something I've been learning, too, in my, uh, my new workplace. So um, I'm glad you kind of highlighted that, brought some attention to it. And uh, lastly, too, uh, where can people find you? I'll, I'll post your LinkedIn in the description. But uh, do you have an art station or anything like that? Or do you post your um, stuff I'm actually online? super distant from super, or social media. I, I don't like it at all. So I have a LinkedIn. But if you if you see me on social media or see anything that has my name on social media, it's probably out of date. Probably haven't touched it. I really don't like social media. <laughs> okay. Hey, no worries, man. That probably helps you get into the flow state. Less distractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, man. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Thank, again, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. Um, but yeah, that that uh, concludes this episode of the Empower Podcast. Um, again, this is Drake Ch- Jake Travis. Works at he's an environment artist. Really, really, really cool episode. And uh, yeah, bye guys. Uh, we'll see you on the next. Thank one. Thank you guys. Thank you.